0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales.
1: Good morning, good evening, or good night for those listening to me when the sun is down. Ah, there is nothing quite like a set of old-time radio episodes to start your week, and a large cup of old Grey tea to top off your workday. And as the day comes to an end, and you've got your own time back, you can sit back and really enjoy a delicious cup of tea. That warmth, that relaxing feeling, and the sweet yet earthy smell of the bergamot. Mm-mm. delicious. Listeners, I hope you have your cup of El Grey at the ready, because we have two tales from The Crime Club, remastered and ready for your lovely ears. The first is, The Sun is a Witness, and your second, The Grey Mist Murders. Oh yes, nice and ominous. (laughs) I have been able to pinpoint another frequency, by the way, that strips out some old-time radio resonance. I've worked hard on this one for this episode, so I hope you like it, and let me know if you notice it. Now, turn the lights off, the sound up, and let's listen to two crime classics. Enjoy.
2: Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. The son is a witness. Yes, we have that crime club story for you. Come right over. Ah, you're here. Good. Take the easy chair by the window. Comfortable? The book is on this shelf. Here it is. The Sun is a Witness by Aaron Mark Stein. A very unusual story of a design for killing that couldn't succeed without murder. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was Tim Mulligan's job as an archaeologist to find out about dead civilizations. And he was finding out about the Anatsazi the Indian cliff-dwellers who inhabited the great canyon walls of the southwest many centuries ago. It was late morning, June 22nd, the second day of summer, and Tim Mulligan was digging carefully in one of the caves high above the canyon floor when George Dillon, the owner of the property and Tim's benefactor, climbed slowly up from the camp cave 30 feet below. He stopped to catch his breath.
3: George, what are you doing up here? Right.
0: I wanted to see how you're getting along, Jim.
3: You shouldn't have done it, you're hard. Where's Tony Blake?
0: Well, he's around somewhere. You're not going to snitch on me, are you, boy?
3: Well, you're his responsibility, Pop. He's your doctor.
0: Yes, but he didn't join the outfit so he can take care of me. What do you mean? He wants me to take care of him.
3: Oh, that. Yeah. And maybe I will. After he and my niece, Marion, get married. But right now, it's Indian history that's got all my attention. Oh, yeah. Well, I uh, dug up a grave, George. And it's Ozzy? I think so. I haven't unwrapped the money yet.
0: Good. We can do that together. Come on, let's go. Mm.
3: What's that? The wind.
0: No, Tim. No wind ever made
3: a sound like that. It sounds human. But it is human. And it's coming from... Now, George, George, take it easy. It's the cave. There's no one in there.
0: The open grave. The Anasazi mummy. Tim.
3: This has got to be a trick. Tim. Tim. George. Tim. Uh, my heart. Where's the us?
0: In the... It's all right. I just lost my breath. Huh? I'll be all
3: right. Are you sure?
0: Yes. Help me down to the... Camp you
3: bet. You bet. Uh, let me call for Tony first. I feel a lot better with him around.
0: Tony. Tony Blake.
3: I guess he's out of range. Let's go.
0: How
3: is he, Tony? He, uh, yeah. He just fell asleep. Hmm? Uh, let's get away from this cave opening. I don't want him to disturb. Okay. Now, what about that ghost, Tim? Somebody's trying to kill your patient, Doctor. Mm-hmm. Do you think he can be scared to death? Uh, with his heart, anything can happen. That's what I mean. Where's Marion? Are you kidding? Not this trip. You, Marion, and I are the only ones here with George. The others. Well, that's where she went, to the others at the ranch house. When this morning, while you were digging for your ghost, she was worried about her brother. Oh. oh, of course. It's been four days since Fraser went back to the house with Matt Casey to get provisions. I didn't realize. Ah, uh, look, Tim. I got to talk to you about something. Now, yeah? give up this progress, crazy project. Yeah, but I—it's not doing George any good. His heart can't take it. I'm not his doctor, Tony. And I am. So, what, he won't listen to me as long as you're on the job. He wants to be with you, don't you understand? Yes, I think I do. He's a fibrillator heart in a very bad shape and the slightest stimulation... You're not worried about that, Tony, are you? What? You've got an axe of your own to grind and it's beginning to look like a battle axe. Don't get dirty, Mulligan. I'll try not to. You can't cut me out, so you're trying to move me out. Anything to get George's mind off Indians and onto your sanitarium project. A darn sight more useful than digging for dried up bones. That depends on how much of a scientist you are. I
0: told you not to get dirty,
3: Mulligan. Stop waving those fists. You'll to hit yourself in the face.
0: Jim, Tony, George.
3: Come in here, both of you. I, I, I thought you were sleeping. I heard every word you two said out there. When do you think I'm going to die, Tony. If you continue to stay here, George... No, I'm going to stay here until Timothy finishes what he's doing. And there's no telling. There's nothing I can do about it. Are you quitting? No, I'll be around if you need me. You shouldn't have been so rough with him, Pop. Tim. now what, George? Tim, do you really think somebody's trying to scare me to death? It's possible. Hmm. That fellow? I... I don't know. I'd rather not believe your own doctor's out to kill you. He's the only one here with us, Tim. And if that sound we heard was not a ghost, it's a rattlesnake? Where? In here, someplace. There, where you are, George. And don't get excited. I'll, uh, I'll look for it. Wait. Try not to get excited, George. And don't get off that cot.
0: You'll never find it, Tim. If
3: it's in this cave. I will. It isn't.
0: What? It's in this wall next to me. Solid rock. And we can hear the rattle. Oh,
3: wait a minute, George. I
0: don't want to believe in ghosts, but nobody can make that sound come out of solid rock. Now, oh, wait,
3: wait. All right, Pop, it's gone. We can relax. <laughs> now, Tony's right. This is a bad place for you.
0: I... I'm not afraid, Timothy. But I
3: am. I'd uh, like to get you back to the ranch house where you might get an even break.
0: I'm not running away.
3: Good for you. I'm taking you away. Now, sit tight. I'll get Tony, and we'll load this up into the car. Tim, does that mean you're giving up your work here? No, indeed, Pop. It means I'm going into another business. Ghost hunting. Well, George, as soon as we get to the ranch house, you start taking things easy. I'll do nothing of the kind, Tony. Say, Tim. Now, yeah? How soon do you expect to go back to the camp? Right after we get you, sir. Good. I'll get Matt Casey to go back with you. He knows every inch of that canyon. And if someone's out there playing ghost, or was... Don't be surprised if it was one of the Indians from the reservation. Is that your theory, Tony? They're very superstitious about their dead being dug up, Tim. Especially if they're going to be used as museum pieces. That's enough of that. Slow down, there's the ranch house. Oh, say, there's, uh, there's Fraser walking away from his car. Honk the horn, Tony. (laughs) Ah, look who's here. You must have come out just behind me. Is the expedition over, temporarily? Uh, give us a hand with the luggage, Fraser. Are you Uncle George anything? Where's the rest of the party? Who do you mean? Matt Casey and Marion, of course. Are you trying to kid me? Aren't they here? No. <laughs> Some joke, huh? Fraser. Marion left this camp this morning. She was coming to see how you and Matt were getting along. Matt and I? But Matt went back to camp two days ago. He took a truckload of provisions. Are you sure? Now, look, Tim, I was here when he left. You smell as though you might be foggy about things. I've had a few drinks, but I know what I'm talking about. I pick up the stuff in town, and Matt took it from here. Why didn't you come back with him, Frazier? I took a liking to civilization, Uncle George. So after Matt bounced off, I bounced back to town where the civilization is beautiful and lively. I got back a few minutes ago. You were there for two whole days? I couldn't help it. The attraction was magnetic. Can it be proved, Frazier? Now be a comedian, Tim. What's mine is mine. What about Marion? I don't know, Tony. She just might have been here... Say, maybe she hit fatal. For some lively civilization? What does that mean, Mulligan? Nothing personal, Dr. Blake. Why don't you take care of your patient while I go back to the camp to find out if the spirit is still functioning?
0: Hello? Hello? Anybody here? Anybody here? Oh, Tim! Oh,
4: Hello, man. Where is everybody? When Johnson? Uh, one.
3: One question at a time, please. I've
4: been running around in circles all day. First the ranch house, nobody there. Then back to this. I, but...
3: I'm a little winded. Just give me time.
4: Where is everybody?
3: Everybody, but Matt Casey is at the ranch house. Why? They gave up the ghost. Huh? What are you doing up here on top of the canyon wall?
4: Oh, this is going to be a national park someday. Yeah. Monument to Indian culture. Don't you feel proud of what Uncle George is going to do?
3: I didn't see your car below, Marion.
4: Always stick to the subject. You can't lose that way. My car isn't parked in the canyon. I came up the back way for a change.
3: Mm-hmm. Bet you had a very good reason too.
4: Perfect. I got tired of the canyon road.
3: Of course.
4: Mad Casey must have had the same feeling about it. What? Well, look down there where my car is parked. His truck's there, too. So? Yes, and it's loaded to the hilt with provisions. I call that being very
0: ruthless.
3: Yeah.
4: All that good food left down there to spoil. And I'm starving.
3: Well, at least you've got a doctor who can feed you vitamins.
4: Funny man. Unless
3: you're a ghost and you don't need vitamins.
4: What does that mean?
3: Haunt me and find out.
4: Are you crazy?
3: Try it. Say, a hi, a hi. Come on, come on, say it in a very deep voice.
4: You are crazy. As deep
3: as you can make it. A hi, yeah,
4: I've always wondered about you, archaeologists. Uh, excuse me, I have a date with a oh, wait a minute. Now listen, you Look, what?
3: Flying under that rock.
4: I don't you must be seeing things.
3: Yes, everything. And it's only the tail of a rattlesnake.
4: Why, how wonderful. Another item for your collection? Do you mind if I picked it up? I wouldn't mind if you wore it on your nose.
3: Thanks. I didn't know you cared. See? Okay? It still rattles.
4: Yeah, I know something else that rattles.
0: What?
4: What was that?
3: The ghost. I shook this rattle close to the rock. Yes, all I've got to do is get this rock out of the way
0: like this. (laughs) Now, I... What's happening there? A perfect...
3: Chimney right through the canyon wall. Would you like to make a voice test, Marion?
4: Me? No, thank you. I don't like to hear myself talk. Not
3: even in the interest of science?
4: Goodbye, Tim. I'm going home. Oh, wait,
3: wait. I'm going with you. There's so much I'd like to tell your uncle about a hole in the ground.
0: Trazier.
3: Uncle George, say you've had quite an experience up the camp. Tony was just telling me about the ghost. Yes, and it's occurred to me with Matt Casey missing. Oh, he wouldn't try to kill me, Dr. Blake. I didn't say that he would, George, He's been working for me for 27 years. We're old friends. Frazier, I want you to organize a searching party for Matt. All right, but if you ask me, he's going on a bender. I don't think so. He's done it before. Why, there were times when he'd bust out for a whole week. He never did it when he had a special job to do. He knew we were waiting for those provisions at the camp. Yes, that's right, Frazier. Yes. He knew that I was waiting for something else that was much more important to me. Something else? Yes. Well, you might as well know about it now, Fraser. You too, Tony. I sent Matt Casey back here to type up a new will. Oh? Yep, I've decided to give all this property to the government for a national park. Well, that's nothing new. That's all you've decided. That's all, Fraser. The rest of my property and all my cash go to you and Marion. Uncle George? Yeah? <sighs> nothing. You're just a swell guy. I'd better go out and organize that searching party. Yeah. And this for you, Tony? No sanitarium, huh? Yeah, that's up to Marion. If she wants to set one up for you after I'm dead, she can do it. With my blessing. Marion, still puzzles me.
4: Oh, please, Tim. I'm tired of you being puzzled. Why
3: did Matt Casey use this road instead of the canyon road?
4: Why, as an archaeologist.
3: Would he have any reason for wanting to be heard but not seen?
4: Oh, dear. Would you have any reason? (laughs) Excuse me. The company I keep.
3: (laughs) All right, Marion, you don't have to talk to me. I don't wear a badge.
4: You don't know how pretty that makes you look. I think I do. By the
3: way, why don't you and Tony get married?
4: There's no hurry.
3: He's broke, isn't
4: he? And a big sanitarium with his name all over it
3: could uh, solve an ugly problem.
4: Uncle George is Tony's patient.
3: By design.
4: What do you mean by that? You
3: brought Tony out here. Well,
4: suppose I did. That doesn't mean... Now, look here, Mr. Mulligan. I don't like your insinuations.
3: But there's one thing about the great Southwest that always fascinates me. Don't
4: change the subject. Buzzards. What? Over
3: there on that pile of rocks.
4: Well, you're not stopping, are you? Of course.
3: Where there are buzzards, there's death. Where there's death, uh, I'm an archaeologist, remember?
4: Oh, don't be ridiculous. I want to get back to the ranch house. You
3: will. I'll just take the ignition key out to make sure you don't do it without me. Would you like to join this expedition? No. Oh, that's too bad. You don't know how cultural those things can be. What is it, a pioneer? There's a body
4: under those rocks. A human body. What? Timothy Mulligan, if you're kidding Just me... i a hand
3: showing. Part of an arm.
4: Good heavens.
3: Looks like a man's.
4: He must have been caught in a rock fall. Well, let's dig him out. He, he might still be alive. No,
3: no, not with rigor mortis, Marion. Oh. That's yeah, pretty obvious. His fingers. All right, Marion, we'd better start Digging. It's going to take a little time. It's one last rock. Now, come on, heave, heave. Don't relax. Keep going. Come on.
4: What, what was that?
3: Now, we'll look later. Let's get this rock off first.
4: Sit down, Tim. Yeah.
3: Maybe it's better. Go back to the car. All right. What'd you pick up? This, uh, this roll of film. Must have been spread out under part of that rock. Uh, Maybe when the pile hit him, it bounced out of his pocket.
4: Oh, you. And
3: when we moved that rock, it snapped back on the roll. And
4: you would think that important, wouldn't you? What's a dead body to you?
3: I'm sorry, Marion, but there's nothing we can do for Matt Casey except turn him over her face up.
0: Uh,
3: no. Uh, things I
0: don't understand
3: about this. <laughs> Matt being here, <laughs> his truck two miles up the road,
0: and an old hand
3: like Matt being caught in a rock fall. <laughs> what was he doing in this cave, <laughs> Marion? Oh, madam no. don't don't have look. Marion, for Pete's sake, get a grip on yourself.
0: Here, let me take you back to the car. Leave me alone! You leave me now, alone! Now please listen to me. I've known him practically all my life. It was my uncle's oldest friend. <laughs> then
3: listen to me. in trying to understand what I'm saying.
0: How are we going to tell Uncle George about this? Okay. Marion,
3: Marion. It was no accident. Matt was not killed by a rock ball.
0: What? What did you say? He was murdered. Tim I've had enough of you. Now when listen. You're...
3: Matt was clubbed to death and brought here.
0: I don't want to hear more. And look.
3: He was lying in the sand, face down. His face was covered with blood. Oh. Dry blood. But the sand is clean. You see what I mean?
4: Please take me back to the ranch house. I'm afraid I'm going to be very sick.
3: that you, Frazier? No, George. Marion and Tim. Marion. Marion, darling, where have you been? Not
4: now, Tony, we, we've got to talk to Uncle George. Oh, what's
3: the matter? I thought it might be Fraser. You're not to organize a searching party for Matt Casey.
4: Oh, well...
3: What is it, Marion?
4: Tim, maybe you better do the talking. I, I don't feel up to it.
3: What's wrong? Where's Matt? I'll tell you, George, but I want you to sit down, take it easy. I'll do nothing of the kind. Where's Matt? I say nothing until you sit down. He, He's dead, isn't he? Oh my lord. Matt. Tony. It's all right, Tim. i don't know what to do. Where'd you find him? Under a rock fall. On the county road.
0: Matt? Under
3: a rockfall? Did you bring him back with you? No.
0: We
4: left him there. I have to notify the sheriff.
0: Sheriff? He was murdered, Uncle George.
4: Oh, Evidence is there. We didn't want to disturb a thing. Murdered. Matt, murder.
3: Where is it? In a bottle in the dresser in George's room, George quick. Ahead. Marion, get me a glass of water and a spoon. George. Ah, George, it's going to be all right. It'll be all right. Can you hear, George? Tim, Marion. here, yeah, Tom. Anything I can do? Yes, get Marion to hurry with that water. Marion! Yes,
4: yes the cupboard door was stuck. I couldn't get it.
3: give me that spoon. was the worst attack I've ever seen. Have. Now, if I could get him to swallow this stuff.
0: Oh. oh, he's spitting it out. Oh,
3: it's the You've got to get it down. Marion, hold his head back. Well,
0: I can't. Hold it back,
3: i tell you. Now, Tim, <clears throat> I want you to force his jaws apart and I'll keep his mouth open. Oh. Got to get this stuff down. There's no time to lose.
0: Uh,
3: That's stuff. now. Uh, I'll make sure. Uh, the water will push, push it down.
0: There.
3: Uh, now, uh, uh, let him relax. Here, Tim, take this bottle. Hmm. I'm going to check his pulse. What's
4: oh, wrong? But the disease you tell us isn't working.
0: Never acted like that. i have to take a minute George, Uncle George, please. It's
3: all over, Marion. He's dead.
4: I, I didn't think, Tony. I-, I just, without thinking. Marion,
3: there's no use blaming yourself anymore. It was bound to happen sooner or later.
4: I didn't have to throw it at him. Like I didn't have to yell, "Murder!"
3: Ah, here. There. Take us still. What is it? A sedative.
0: No, ah, no, i Come on, I,
3: come on, be good to yourself. You'll sleep for a few hours. Who's that? I don't know. Now, look, dear, you. you're as jumpy as a bee. Now, take this.
0: Tony! Oh,
3: oh, oh Frazier. Come outside for a few minutes. I want to talk to you. All right. Hey, what's the matter with you, Marion? You've been crying.
4: Uncle George is dead. What? He had a heart attack. And it was my fault. Oh,
0: no. Oh, dead.
4: Tim and I found that casing body. Under a rock wall on the county road. It looked like murder, and I... Like Sad. a Like a stupid,
0: hysterical fool. I, I couldn't keep it to myself.
3: I, I wasn't going to tell him. I was going to let you, Tony, break it to him easy. What do you mean? Well, we found Matt's body. It was wrapped up in a blanket. I guess he must have done that to keep the buzzards off.
4: Did you tell the sheriff?
3: No, a couple of the men took the body to the mortician in town. We thought... Tony, how quick did he go? Uncle George. Real quick, Frazier. Even the Digitalis couldn't help him. It couldn't help him. Nothing good, Fraser, when it's not used. Oh,
4: what do you mean, Tim? Here's a
3: bottle with a Digitalis label on it. I want you to taste its contents, Dr. Blake. What are you trying to say? I'm not trying. Go ahead, taste it. I put that label on there myself. I'm sure you did. And I'm sure you meant to do the right thing. Well, what's it taste like? Quinidine sulfate. Yes, that's what I thought. A powerful heart stimulant. When that gets into a fibrillator heart, it becomes a killer. Tim! I'm afraid so, Marion.
0: No, oh, Uncle George was not murdered. I'll never believe it.
3: That bottle proves it, whether you believe it or not. How about it, Tony? i uh, I don't understand. Did you have, have quinidine sulfate in your collection of bottles? Yes, but that doesn't mean that I... Now, look here, Tim. I'm the only doctor for miles around. I keep a lot of medicines for emergency purposes. Of course, of course. Can't you two fight this out some other time and some other now, place? Now, wait a minute, Fraser. I don't want any more talk. Not right now, anyway. Okay. I'll say no more. Until the sheriff gets here. I'll send for myself. Good. Later. I think Marion and I should have some time to ourselves, don't you? Before Uncle George becomes Exhibit A. Well, that's your privilege. Well, if anyone should want me, I'll be in my room wondering about things. Oh, come on, Marian.
4: You've been in here so long, I thought you'd died.
3: Oh, uh, such luck. A... What are you doing? I'm uh, developing. What? Not my muscles, honey.
4: Not your personality, either.
3: Touche. Did uh, Frazier send for the sheriff?
4: I don't know. He's been hibernating in the study all afternoon. Now, look, Tim, mm-hmm. I'm ready to believe a lot of things you've said about murder.
3: That's so kind of you. But
4: is it going to do anybody any good to make a fuss about it?
3: Won't do the killer any good.
4: Be reasonable. Frazier and I are very rich now, and and I'm very much in love with Tony.
3: Uh, I'm a stubborn cuss, Marion, when I'm right. And you haven't got enough money to make me think wrong.
4: How much do you want?
3: Nothing. Excuse me, Marion. I want to switch on the lights.
4: Suppose I were to kill you.
3: Huh? Oh, in that case, I'd be dead.
4: No one would ever know. Frazier and Tony wouldn't tell. Think about it, Tim.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the stuff.
3: Here, yeah, Marion.
4: You'd disappear. It can be done, Timothy. There's a lot of open land out here, places people don't go to.
3: Think of the place you'd go to, Miriam. Mia, yeah, Mia, yeah. I want to show you something. Tim. Now listen, Marion, I've got a lot of friends in New York, and they know where I am, and if they don't hear from me, they're going to wonder and ask a lot of questions. So put down that gun and come over here. I'm not
4: interested in a strip of film. <laughs>
3: but you should be. This is the film we uh, found next to Matt's body, and it tells an amazing story. What? Yeah. Uh, do you see those... Four dark streaks on the negative.
0: Well, what about them?
3: Now, they all start at one point and then spread like a fan. The first one is short. The second one's a little longer. The third one is the longest. And the fourth one is shorter.
4: So, what does it prove? It
3: proves, Marion, that the sun is a witness. And right here on this negative, it's pointing four fingers at a murderer.
0: What? Now, oh, that guy. Oh, no. no.
3: A twist of the wrist, and we're equals again. Shall we go now? I'd like to see the other members of your family, present and future. You'll never convince me, Mulligan, that four streaks on a negative mean murder. How about letting me try, Tony? You also said, Tim, that you know who killed Matt Casey. Oh, I did say that, didn't I, Fraser? Yes. I'll go a step further. The person who killed Matt also killed George.
4: I've had enough of this. I want you to get out of here, Tim. In
3: time. But whether you listen to me or not doesn't matter. I know you'll listen to the sheriff. All right, Tim. Prove your sunstreak theory. Thank you, Doctor. Well, Marion and I found this film next to Matt's body. He was lying at the entrance to a cave. And the rocks were piled high. So? No sun or light flooded that cave. The film wasn't ruined. But somehow one ray of sun got through between the rocks and left these marks on the film. But where's the murderer, Tim? In this room, Fraser. Today is the 22nd of June. Yesterday was the first day of summer, the longest day of the year. You see now what these streaks mean?
4: That's still a lot of nonsense. The day to me. before
3: yesterday was shorter. And the day before that still shorter. The position of the sun changes every day. As the days get longer, the sun rises higher. Anybody want to question that fact? Oh, I see what you mean, Tim. According to that evidence, Matt was killed four days ago. Yes, Tony. He didn't return to camp two days ago, as Fraser told us.
0: Fraser! <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: what? What's the use? It's going to be found out sooner or later. Nobody believed Tony would deliberately give Uncle George the wrong medicine.
0: Fraser,
3: I I didn't plan it that way when I started. I I, I was going to frighten him to death, but it didn't work, so I came back here and switched labels on the bottles. The the medicines looked alike, same color. I would have done anything then to get Uncle George out of the way. Why, Fraser?
0: Well, Well, up at the
3: camp, I... I overheard him talking to Matt Casey about a new will. Yes. I I didn't know what was going into it, but I was sure he was going to cut me out. He didn't like some of the people I'd been fooling around with in town. So you killed Matt Casey to keep him from bringing back the new will. (laughs) Yes. But but if I'd only read the thing before I burned it, Uncle George would be alive now. I'd have known. (laughs)
0: Lord,
3: help me. I'd have known. (laughs) That's right, Tim. George told us. His
5: whole estate goes to Marion and Fraser, except
3: his property. Yes, the National Park. Fraser, why didn't you fix those bottles after you switched them?
0: I'd have known. He told me and I'd forgotten what I'd done. I was too happy. Too happy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: And so closes tonight's Crime Club book, The Son is a Witness, based on a story by Aaron Mark Stein. Stedman Coles did the radio adaptation. Roger Bauer produced and directed. Raymond Edward Johnson played Tim Mulligan, and Sydney Smith was Tony Blake. Oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Hello. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the Crime Club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. Good, we have a very exciting story of a boat ride that was planned by death. It's called The Grey Mist Murders by Constance and Gwyneth Little. In the meantime... Well, in the meantime, there is a new crime club book available at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Good. (coughs) Take the easy chair by the window. Comfortable? The book is on this shelf. Here it is. The Gray Mist Murders. By Constance and Gwynne Little. The very intriguing story of a pleasure cruise that became a floating horror. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was late afternoon, and Robert Arnold's ocean-going yacht, The Gray Mist, was already eight hours out of San Francisco and traveling under full steam toward Honolulu. Two of his friends, Peter Condit and Phyllis Marsh, stood by the rail in the bow of the ship, absorbed as they watched the water go by. Then, a few moments later...
6: Nothing to say, Peter?
5: Oh, I'm sorry, Phyllis. I was just thinking. (laughs) What about? We ought to get married. What? All of us. A triple wedding. Carla Bray and Bob Arnold. You and Chet Gordon. And and you and Kay Baylor. Uh-huh. Today, Bob could get the skipper to do the honors.
6: You're slightly off the beam, Peter.
5: I know it sounds crazy, but why not be crazy for a change?
6: Not with my life. I believe in waiting and watching.
5: What for? You're going to marry Chet anyway, aren't you? Maybe. Oh, aren't you sure? I don't know. But you're engaged.
6: So, Peter? Huh? It's Kay. Now you can ask her how she feels about a, a
5: double wedding. All right. Stand by and watch the reaction. Okay, darling. Come over here. I've got something to ask you. After me, sweetheart.
7: <coughs> hey. Well, Peter? Wouldn't you like to know what that was for?
5: What's the idea, Kay?
7: Don't you ever try to make a fool of me again. What are you
5: talking about? Your
7: ex-heartthrob, Peter, Sally Grable. Huh? She's on this boat. And wherever she is, she's doing a good job of hiding. No, now, listen. We've been sailing for eight hours and I haven't seen her. Now, where would she be, Peter? Ah, she
5: isn't. You must have had a bad dream.
7: She is and I didn't. But, Kay, if you didn't see her, how do you know? This handkerchief was where it shouldn't be. Oh? Recognize it, darling? Let me see it. Be gentle or you'll rub off the monogram.
5: Where'd you get it, Kay?
7: I found it on the other side of the deck. It was hugging the rail for dear life.
5: Well, I'll be... Of course, dear. The sooner the better. Wait a minute. Yes? Where's the rest of the crowd?
7: Your laugh, mate. Cut it out,
5: Kay. Where's Bob and Chet and Carla?
7: In the lounge, I suppose. Giggling over their brandy. Then
5: you showed them this handkerchief, huh?
7: Oh, yes. And they were so surprised.
5: Thanks. I'll see you later. We'll soon find out who's kidding whom.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
8: oh, it's not really so funny, did it?
9: you would not mind laughing, Carla, did you? Oh, just to be such Bob.
8: Well, I've got things to do. Where
9: are you going, honey?
8: Down to my cabin. Got an ocean I'd like to bathe.
9: <laughs> she really means it, Jeff. Oh, no, Bob, that's not what I'm laughing about. Every time I think of that look on Kay's face, when she held up that
0: handkerchief. (laughs) Like murder. Poor Pete, what a beating you must be taking now.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for it. (laughs) Did you plant that handkerchief? No, but I was... I I, I thought it was you. Oh, it wasn't. Colin? No, she doesn't go in for practical shows. Neither does Phyllis. I don't believe it, Chet. She can't be on board the gray men. Yeah, but if she is... If she is... Skipper, this is Mr. Arnold.
3: Uh, Did a young lady come on board this morning before I arrived at my party? What?
5: Why didn't you tell me? Oh, very well. She's here, huh? Uh, He thought she was a guest. He told the steward about her. All right, you lugs. Where is she? The voice of doom. Now, now, listen, Pete. You and Chet have got Sally stored away on this boat someplace, and I'll bring her out. All right, but we'll have to find her first. Oh, why did you do it? Oh, now, look, Shut Pete. Shut up, Chet. I'm talking to the master now, the boy who handed out the invitation. Sally wasn't invited, Pete. I don't know how she found out about this trip. She's here, and we'll have to do something about it. Sure. Well, just do me one favor. Keep her out of sight. You hot-headed fool. Why don't you listen? Keep her in her cabin locked up until we get to Honolulu. Will you do that one little thing for me? Okay. Thanks. And after that, you can laugh yourself sick. Because Kay and I are checking out as soon as we've got.
9: Well, how about a song, Bob? Oh, it's something like Old Anxiety. Should old acquaintance be forgotten? Shut, Shut up, up. Let's look for Sally.
0: Bob.
9: <laughs> I could do that with another song. Bob. Carla.
0: Carla. Oh, what's the matter? Carla.
8: She's in my cabin. In my cabin.
0: Sally?
8: Yes, in the closet on the floor. And there's a cord around her neck. What? Mm. I I opened the closet to get a dress for tonight.
3: Chet. Chet, stay here with Carla. I'm going downstairs. Yes, yes, Dr. Lang. Come down here right away. Carla Bray's cabin.
9: Bob. Chet, what are you doing here? Well, I thought I might be able to help. How's Carla? Oh, she's all right. Uh, Phyllis came into the lounge and I... There's no doubt of that, is there? No. Oh, poor kid. To wind up like that. Who could have done it, Bob? You're asking me? Yeah, but why here? In Carla's room. Sally wasn't killed in here, Chet. What? She'd been dead for hours when she was planted in that closet. Hours? What are you talking about? Huh? Take a look at the body. Okay. Yeah. That could be rigor mortis. It is, Chet. I sent for Dr. Lang. He'll know more about the exact time she was killed. Ah, uh, sure. But I got a few ideas of my own. Sally was dead before we before we pulled her out of the harbor. Say, wait a minute. You're going too fast for me.
3: Yeah, that's right, Chet. Somebody, one of our little crowds, saw Sally first, and uh, that was the end of our Sally.
9: Yeah, but why? And why park the body here after keeping it hidden for a whole day? Say, Bob. Is somebody trying to frame Carla?
0: It doesn't make sense.
9: No, it's conchite. Why, everybody knows it. Carla and Sally were the best of friends. It was Carla who tried to keep the big romance going between Pete and Sally. That's
3: right. It that doesn't make sense.
9: Well, hey. Huh? It, just an idea, so don't breathe fire. You didn't ask Sally to join the party. I said I didn't. All right, all right. But how do you know Carla did? I see, yes, yes. All right, just, just to get her friend and Pete together again. Some people call it loyalty, you know. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. All right. Now, suppose Kay found out what Carla had done. And she had visions of losing Pete to Sally. You know how she worked to take him away from her.
3: So she tied a cord around it, decker.
9: Well, I don't like to be the one to say so Bob.
3: And then dragged the body from somewhere to this room? But
9: there's nothing a woman likes less than being outsmarted by another woman.
3: Okay, Chad. Will you ask Carla to meet me in the library in 20 minutes? All right. I'm sure. going to wait here for Dr. Lang. And I'm going to find out who started this thing and why.
0: Bob? <gasps> <gasps> hey, what's oh, on? Oh, oh, well, you're brilliant. Who else would it be? Colin. Oh, Carla, baby, what's the matter? Oh,
7: the library
8: floor, Jack. And Bob. He's killed. Holy! <laughs> yeah, somebody,
9: run for a doctor, quick.
7: Who did it, Carla? I don't know, Kate. I was going to meet him. Did you, sweetheart? Kate. It just occurred to me that Carla's quite a finder. Philip. Cut it
5: out, Kate. This is no time for comedy.
7: No, Peter. Just for murder. You're a fool, Kate. <laughs> What reason would Carla have for killing Bob? One never knows, dear. There are so many reasons why a woman should kill a man. And one of them can be another woman. Oh, why don't you shut up and dry up? I'm only thinking about Sally. I wonder who took her along for the ride. Was it Bob?
5: Let's get out of here, Kate.
7: The boyfriend of the best friend.
6: Huh. The oldest story in the world, you know. Pay no attention to her, Carla. Ever since she found Sally's handkerchief. Carla.
8: I haven't heard a word she said, Phyllis.
9: Mm-hmm.
6: She only knew how little she means to me. Yeah kick on me
8: at
0: a time like Carla. this. it's all right. What? What? I... Bob. Come here, honey. Bob.
8: Oh, darling, you are all right. Well,
0: not quite. I, I still have a headache.
8: Oh, my darling. We've been so busy arguing about who killed you. I, I didn't think to look. Yeah, well,
3: it takes quite a lot to crack solid ivory, but somebody tried awful hard. Come on in, gang.
4: You look pretty
9: well, considering. Yeah,
3: we might as well all be together, even though it's not going to be a week. What happened, Bob? Ah, I'm glad to see you're interested, Pete. <laughs> now, look! I should have done that when I opened the door. Well, the scene who was waiting behind it with the Empire State Building in one hand.
6: Kate seems to think it was Carla, Bob.
3: So, so I heard it and I was coming under the fog.
9: The reasons were very interesting. Oh ah, Relax, Carla. They were just interesting, not true. Well, shall we play 20 questions now? We shall. Chet, when you told Carla to meet me here in 20
3: minutes, who was present?
9: Everybody? Yes.
8: And then everybody disappeared.
9: Yeah, I, I went to the billiard room. Alone, Bob?
8: I went
7: to my safe room to rest.
5: How about you, Kate? I, uh, I went for a walk on deck with Kate. Is that right, Kate?
7: You don't think he's lying, do you? And it's possible that he isn't, but somebody is. How about you, Carla? You had 20 minutes to kill. I went to the game room, Kate. Why, of course. And the game room is right next to
8: the lounge. Carla,
3: were you able to see the stairway?
8: I didn't see anyone go down, Bob. But then...
3: Yeah?
8: I wasn't watching it. I was walking around. But the game room, dear, is where you play games. I've had enough of you, Kate, And everything that goes with
9: you. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's going to be no hair pulling while I'm around. She's
8: got no right to keep throwing mud at me, Chet. Yeah, I know.
9: She killed
7: Sally, and tried to kill Bob. And the more she tries to put the blame on me, the more I'm convinced All it. right. It's not well, all right at all. She's not going to call me a murderer.
5: Stop it, Kay. Pete, get her out of there.
7: Nobody has to get me out. I'll see you all later.
5: That means around dinner time, if I know Kay. I'm sorry about the Bob. Okay, please. I think I'll go up to the bar and start drowning myself in the best liquor you've got.
9: Neither I'm crazy or this boat is jinxed. We start out on a cruise, the best of friends, and before the end of the day, we find that we're the worst enemies. Come on, Phyllis. Let's go up on deck and go haywire.
6: I'm going to my cabin, Chip.
9: Huh?
6: I'm very tired.
9: Oh. Okay. I'll go down to the boiler room and cool off. That's Kay. Ah,
3: forget it, please. Carla, did you invite Sally or this trip? Did I what? <laughs> when you look surprised, honey, you're really beautiful.
8: I'm not surprised, Bob. I'm angry. I had a lot of respect for Sally. You
3: don't have to say another word. I'm convinced. You
9: thought of it. Oh, darling, I apologize.
3: Now let's go and search all the cabins, including the empty ones. We might trip over something like a clue to the murderer. Then we'll know who's
5: who and who paid her off. (laughs) Where have you been for the last hour, Kay?
7: Around. Pull up a deck chair, Peter, and make believe we know each other.
5: I've been looking for you.
7: How nice. I hope you weren't too disappointed when you peeped in my cabin.
5: What was the idea, Kay?
7: Oh, did I have an idea? That
5: lousy scene you made outside the library. Why did you accuse Carla?
7: I don't like her.
5: It's the dirtiest thing I ever listened to. But I'm
7: very fond of you, Peter. And I wouldn't like to lose you to the hangman.
5: What's that? Oh, you're wonderful.
7: Why don't we get married and end this beautiful romance?
5: What did you mean, Kay, about the hangman?
7: You killed Sally. Now listen. That's all right. I don't mind. I'm only sorry you didn't kill Bob Arnold, too. I don't know
5: what you're talking about.
7: But I do. After Chet told Carla to meet Bob in the library, we, um, didn't go for a walk on the deck.
5: You keep your mouth shut about that, Kay.
7: But you said we did. And that wasn't the truth, was it, darling?
5: If you say one word to Bob or anybody else... Well, you do.
7: Kill me, too. Good grief! There, there. I'll keep your secret. I tell you,
5: Kay, I had nothing to do with this business today. I didn't know Sally was on board until you showed me that handkerchief. Your piccolo's out of tune. What are you trying to do? That's what I want to know. What are you trying to do? Sit
7: down. Sit down and keep your temper. Because if I start screaming... (sighs) There, that's a good boy.
5: I didn't kill Sally.
7: No one will ever know from me. Would you like me to prove it? How? Well, a wife can't give evidence against her husband.
5: You haven't got anything on me.
7: Don't be silly. All I have to do is talk, and the only alibi you've got becomes a witness to the prosecution. Yes? Yes. Because whoever tried to kill Bob killed Sally. And for the sake of the record, the marriage record, I was with you on both occasions, protecting my future.
8: Bob, we've been trotting around from cabin to cabin and I'm tired.
3: Only three more empties to go, Carla. Sally must have been in one of them.
8: This is like hunting for a ghost. And when it happens to be the ghost of your best friend... This is it. Luggage. Sally's luggage. It must
3: be. No one has checked into this room by me. Bob. What is it, Carla?
8: I don't think I can go through with it. Will you excuse me, please? Oh,
3: sure, honey. I should have thought of it myself. You go up on deck and get some air. I'll look around here, and if I find anything interesting... What's the matter? A handbag on the dresser. It's a funny position to leave a handbag in. Standing on end. That's a tip-off, Carla. There's something in it that Sally wanted us to find. What do you mean? She's a very smart girl, and she might have left her handbag this way so it'd be noticed.
8: Bob, just before she was killed?
3: Maybe she didn't know she was going to be killed. she was frightened, she did some quick thinking.
8: What's that you're reading?
3: Good Lord, there's one thing I didn't expect to find. Well, what is it? Let it is to Sally. Read it.
8: I've made up my mind, so let's not mess things up. Stay off the gray mist. Chet.
3: Chet? Yeah, of all people.
8: Chet
6: and Sally? Not a word to anybody. There's no doubt about
3: it, Carla. That's his handwriting top to
9: bottom.
6: Al,
9: well, there's only one thing to do.
6: But we won't do it now. What? Tell us. Not now, will we? Please give me that letter. I'll do nothing of the kind. Carla, don't be foolish. You're an old friend. And I'm very fond of you. You wouldn't dare use that gun. I would. I'm engaged to marry Chet. And if I have to shoot you to get that letter, I'll shoot you.
3: There's no use arguing, Carla. Give it to her.
6: But she'll destroy There's it.
3: nothing we can do about it now. Give it to her.
6: Well, all right.
0: Thanks.
6: I'll explain some other time.
8: Bob, has she gone out of her mind?
0: I don't know.
3: Sticking by your man means that you're out of your mind, and she is.
8: Why, you sound as if you admire her.
3: (laughs) I don't even admire myself. Let's go upstairs. I'd
9: like to have a chat with Chet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Bob... This is the nicest bar I've ever been in. It's the cleanest, too. You ought to get a medal for it. Snap out of it,
3: Chet. You're playing drunk.
9: Sure, I'm playing. You and Carla say I'm murdered. That that makes me want to play some more. (laughs) Where's the letter I'm supposed to have written?
8: Phyllis took it away
0: from us. Phyllis?
9: (laughs) Ah, She's some girl. She's one in a billion. And, you know, the days of the little millions are gone forever. <laughs> goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. Bob oh, will never get any... Bye. Give okay. me that pitcher of ice water. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, yeah, goodbye, goodbye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> hey.
3: That's cold. Not as cold as you're going to be if you don't start making sense.
0: So what's, what's the big idea?
3: We want to know about you and Sally. Me?
9: Uh, what are you talking about? Don't you remember a thing we said to you? Well, you said... It to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, a, a letter that Phyllis took.
8: That you wrote to Sally, telling her to stay off this boat.
9: Oh, no, Carla, I never wrote one word to Sally.
8: Oh, you got to believe me. We found it in her handbag, Chet.
9: And the handwriting was yours. Uh, you know what, Kitty... I think there's a lunatic on board. How about it, Chef? No, no, I mean it, Bob. Look, what happened? First Sally's found in the closet of Carla's room. And then you're conked for no reason at all. And now then this letter of mine.
2: Tell us about that. Tom.
9: But I didn't write it. I haven't seen it. But but I can tell you it's a forgery.
8: That's always convenient.
9: Carla, I'm not lying. Honest. Look, Bob, you, you know me for a long time. You know my handwriting. Could you imitate it? That's not the point, Chef. Well, could you or couldn't you?
5: Ooh, yes, if I want well, to. Well, so
9: could Carl and so could anybody. It's the easiest handwriting in the world to imitate. It, what is, it's like a schoolboy's. Well, will you get that letter from Phyllis? I'll try, if she still got it. And I certainly hope she has.
8: Bob, did he put one over on us?
0: I don't know, Carla. I wonder.
6: Hmm. Well, you want to be a detective. And you know, a good detective has to take lessons. Good lessons. Huh? Would you like to have a lemon fizz, darling? Or just the fizzle? Peter.
5: Huh? Oh, Phyllis. Can you play billiards? I want to talk to you. All right. What about?
6: I overheard what Kay said to you a little while ago.
5: Snooping, huh? I didn't mean to, Peter. Let's go out on deck.
6: I want you to understand one thing.
5: When we get outside, Phyllis. Very well. Now, what do you want? The truth. You too?
6: Bob and Carla found that letter in Sally's handbag. What letter? The one you wrote in Chet's handwriting. After you killed Sally. Sally.
5: Is this something new?
6: There's no use denying it, Peter. You didn't want Sally to come on this boat. And when you found she was here, you killed her. And tried to make it look as though she had done it.
5: Who's got that letter now, Phyllis?
6: I took it from Carla. I had to use force, but I took it.
5: I'd like to see it. You can't. Why not? I destroyed it. Why, you dumb cook! What did you do a thing like that for?
6: There was going to be no evidence against Chet. No
5: evidence against Chet. Or against you. Have you got any idea what you've done? Only one person had a reason for killing Sally and wanting to kill Bob. It wasn't Chet. Oh no, no. Who's talking about him? It was Kay. Kay? She thought Bob had invited Sally to make this trip. You saw what she did when she found that handkerchief. But she's not as smart as she thinks. She put on the mad act, but, but Sally was already dead and she killed her. But tonight... When she tried to put the blame on me. Peter, do you know what you're saying? What she said about me. Only this is the truth. I know it. All Kay wants is money, and I have it. She charmed me away from Sally, made me think she loved me. I fell for her like a ton of saplings. But all she was angling for was money.
6: But I always thought that
5: Kay was well off. She hasn't got a dime. For the last two months, she's been gambling with my money. And I was going to ask her to marry me. <laughs> Today. <laughs> a triple wedding. Oh, Oh, stop it! Stop it! What's the matter with you? Don't you believe me? No. All right. Let's form a posse. We'll beat through this boat till we find Kay. Then I'll make her tell the truth about everything, including murder. She's got to be in her cabin, Phyllis. She's nowhere else on this boat.
6: But she doesn't answer.
5: Ah, that's just her way of being cute. Well, I'm not waiting. See here, Kay. Oh! Oh, no. No!
0: Just like Sally!
5: we better get Bob. Remember, Phyllis, you were with me. Is she dead? Nobody ever looked like that and wasn't. Come on, let's get Bob.
2: I think that's all, Mr. Arnold. Uh-huh. Thank you, Dr. Lang.
3: Will you take care of the details? I'm going into the library to join my, uh, friend.
2: If you want me to make any chemical tests... I'll call you,
3: or I'll bring the murderer to you. I think we got all the evidence we need.
2: I hope so, Mr.
0: Arnold. Yeah. Pa.
3: Sit down, Carla. Everybody sit down. Al K. has been dead about an hour. Anybody have an alibi? No? Well, that's good, because I don't care about alibis this time. All I want a show of hands. Sure. Huh? What do you mean? Well, I want to see everybody's hands, Chip. What for? Have you got any reason
9: not to show me yours? Well, no. Here, look at them. I just watched them 15 minutes ago.
3: Both sides, Chip.
9: Okay. Up. Down.
5: <laughs> do I pass? How about you, Pete? Well, I don't mind if this is a new way to tell fortune.
3: It is. The kind of fortune that ends with, I now pronounce, sentence of death. You're next, Phyllis. May I see your hands, please?
6: All right. I wish I knew why. Carla? Yes, Bob? Your hands. Here. Don't worry. You won't find any blood on mine.
3: I wasn't looking for blood, exactly.
6: What were you looking for? I don't understand.
3: Someone in this room is a murderer, a strangler. And Dr. Lang found the evidence that should convict. What evidence, Bob? Pieces of skin, Pete, under two of Kay's fingernails. She scratched her killer and she... I reached for your neck, Phyllis.
6: Well, no reason. I was just going to loosen my scarf. Why don't you take it
3: off? Isn't it sort of warm in here?
6: I'll just loosen it. What are you hiding? Die!
9: <laughs> hey, you got one heck of a nerve. Give her back that scarf. Okay, Chad, after she explains those two scratches on she the... She doesn't
3: have her to neck, explain anything. To I'm move. afraid she does to all of us. How did you get those scratches on your neck, Phyllis? Bob, leave her alone. You got them while you were twisting the cord around Kay's neck, didn't you? She reached up while you were standing behind her and clawed at you, trying to get hold of your hair so she could pull your head down. Isn't that right, Phyllis? You've got no proof. Oh, that's what you want. All right. Dr. Lang has a skin that came off that neck. He's ready to make any test he has to.
6: He's not going to make any test, Bob.
3: You're a lick, Phyllis. That gun can't help you now.
6: (laughs) Why doesn't somebody try to take it away from me? (laughs) Phyllis. Oh, no. Yes. Why doesn't somebody try? Because you all want to live. You too, Chet. <laughs> Even now.
9: <laughs> oh, Phyllis, why did you
0: do it?
6: I hated them both. But Kay more than Sally, because she was going to marry Peter. What? Are you kidding? No, Chet. I never loved you. You just pestered me. And I... Did you know I tried to get rid of you too? I wrote that letter to Sally. Right after I killed her. And then I fixed everything so that it would be found. That was smart of me, wasn't it?
0: Phyllis.
6: (laughs) Don't be foolish, Bob. Don't come too close. I had everything planned. Kay was going to disappear tonight. And after a while, Peter, you wouldn't have cared. I was going to show you how much I loved you.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've got to do something. She'll kill us all, said tight, Peter.
6: But I, I made a mistake. And it was just as well. Bob told me to take Cabin G. I thought he said D. And there was Sally. Would you like to know what she told me?
3: Of course, Phyllis.
6: She said she came on board to take Peter away from Kay. Nobody knew she was there. I promised to keep her confidence. And when she turned round to unpack... Why did you put her body in my room? Sally couldn't be dead without being seen, Carla. And your room was so close. Just across the hall.
9: Why did you try to frame me, Phyllis? I never did anything to you.
6: Didn't you? You kissed me and I hated you. That was a mistake, too. I didn't realize it until I heard Kay talking to Peter. Accusing him of the murder. Then I knew that you had no reason to kill Sally. But Peter did. And if I could convince him the way that Kay was trying to convince him... That he couldn't live without marrying me. I could.
0: Oh. All right, Pete. Lights. Oh. Get the lights on. Sorry, wait. get the lights on. What? Oh,
4: oh, Phyllis. She's killed herself.
3: No, Carla. It's just a flesh wound. But she'll never have another chance to kill anybody. Including herself.
2: And so closes tonight's Crime Club book, The Grey Mist Murders, based on a story by Constance and Gwyn Little. Stedman Coles did the radio adaptation, Roger Bauer produced and directed. Sidney Smith played Robert Arnold, Helen Shields was Phyllis Marsh, Sherling Oliver was Peter Condit, Joan Alexander was Kay Bayliss, Elaine Kent played Carla Bray, and Chet Stratton was Chester Gordon. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. Good. We have the very exciting story of a portrait in black that became a study in murder.
1: Yikes! So much murder! So much betrayal! So much trickery! and a pinch of insanity. The second tale in particular had that woman who was out of her mind. Bonkers, I tell ya. But what a killer actress, pun intended, even though her self-inflicted gunshot twas but a flesh wound. I was not expecting that laugh though. It was so maniacal, so very, very impressive from that actress and really cemented her state of mind. And the thought of having three weddings at the time, I think my heart rate spiked. It was difficult planning my own, let alone three at the same time. With three people who might want different aspects of their way to shine on through. Yeesh, he's certainly game. Now mates, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it and have any spare time, swing on over to my iTunes page and leave a review because now it's one of my favorite parts of this podcast where I get to thank those people that donate to the podcast itself to help it improve. Before I do, a shout out to Heathen Stormcrow for being awesome and reaching out to me via Facebook. Thanks, mate, and thank you for your kind words. And now, on to my old Night T Titans, the legends that slingshot pew, pew this podcast into space. First up, Majestic Maya. Maya, you help this podcast reach for the stars and remind me that, you know what? They're not so far away. And because of you, most of the remastering is made possible, and the quality I'm able to output, <laughs> that's all you're doing. So thank you, Maya. Not only are you one unique soul, but you've supported this podcast for so long. In this way, you're part of the virtual furniture here. It wouldn't be the same without you. Thank you for your endless support, Maya. And divided by zero, my second Ode Night T-Titan, you are the peep that puts a pep in my step. Not only have you enabled me to cover off some crucial subscription costs, but your support has allowed me to recently pay authors for their work. Plus, I've been able to budget for some video footage, extra sound effects, and so much more. Mate, I ain't kidding when I say you are marvelous. Thank you so much, divided by zero. Now, for my white tea warlord, Elizabeth, my mate. I got your email, dudio, loving it. Thank you so much. And, mate, I can't wait to get back to you. Your support has allowed me to grab some more critical sounds from the net. You know, vomiting, whipping, and gut-dragging sounds. You know, stuff that makes us all go, oh, goodness. <laughs> Thank you, Leza. Your support helps me out immensely. And now, the lifeblood that pumps this podcast blood around day in and day out. My ill-great enforcers. Chad Warren. Joss Heather. Paige Marchini. Peter Affili. Tasha Moncrief. Christina Boyd, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker One, and Sostra. You are all my personal legends. Your support does indeed, 100%, fly back into the podcast, and seeing as I don't run any advertisements ever, full stop, this helps me out so much. All of you are so generous and special to me. If you want to be a generous soul like these peeps, visit my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward SFGT, and bam, you can support me there. All dollar do's are injecting this right into the podcast once more, and I'll be shaking up the Patreon reward soon. Just gotta find some time to implement it, but it's around the corner. And for the better, mates, have a wonderful Monday. And may I whisk your weekend along with more tales this Wednesday. Stay awesome, which is easy for you folks. And as always, till next, we meet.